guys. Welcome back to Gaming Trend Podcast. This is your host, Erica. And this is the amazing Get Plays with Crayola Crayons, John. Okay, that's great. (laughs) (laughs) This week, we're going to talk about iconic enemies in video games. We try to keep these episodes between 30 minutes to 40 minutes, so we can't cover everything. But these are definitely my top fave, you know, most inspirational. John kind of, you know, said yes or no on some of them. Yes, I I, I contributed <laughs> a little bit. I like, hey, I like that one. I don't remember that. I remember that game. Thank God you reminded me of this. So yeah, this. I'm old. <laughs> Before we head to Game On, uh, we have a video game that you are reviewing. And it's coincidental because we've actually interviewed the developers multiple times. They're local to Texas and circuit the same cons we do. Yeah, the game is Aqualungers. Which was made by Warp Core Studios. And actually, a fun thing I found out about this after playing the game and digging a little bit on them. The game has actually been two and a half years in development. Yes, uh, we interviewed them many times over the years. Yeah, I know. That's, we always interview so many people at cons and everything else. It all runs together in my head. That's the problem. <laughs> No, but it's super great because I know that they've been pushing forever to get on the Switch, to get on Steam, to get on actual playable consoles. This game is actually actually really fun. It kind of had flashbacks a little bit with this game. Like any platform game, this thing really brought back a whole bunch of the memories I have playing games like Super Mario Kart, Super Smash Brothers. You know, sitting in front of the TV, playing for hours, competing against your friends, each have a bag of chips. I think that was just me. And see who can beat each other's score. Or, you know, there's always they had actually a good one-player on this game as well. Play against the AI, so that way you can harness your reflexes to take out your friends. This game really does have a one good thing with it, where it actually brought gaming back to where anyone can play it. No complicated controls, no real, like, okay, like with the old James Bond games, you got thrown in there, had to figure this stuff out yourself while the, all the fighting was going on. This one's like, cool, it's here, configure the controller... Which I have a whole thing with that with Steam. <laughs> yeah, it's just like the old games for me. Like I was playing for hours where I was trying to blink my eyes and like, oh crap, I didn't blink for like out for a couple of hours. Sand, Thirty grit sandpaper. Ouch. Ouch. <laughs> uh, uh, but what's the premise of the game? Uh, pretty much, you are a treasure hunter that is also a semi scuba diver that is armed with a spear. There are six worlds in this game with three levels in each one, including a boss battle. And the whole thing is to collect 3,000 pieces of treasure before the the boss that you're going to fight at the end of the level collects 3,000 to win. So it is a race against time game. Yes. And there and there are also little, little minions in there where there's like some of the fish in there. You have to actually, they won't hurt you, but if they hit you while you're carrying treasure, they'll make you drop, you'll drop some. And like, you gotta get the treasure. Get it back to your treasure, to your home base. Dump everything there, and then go back. And there's a couple of sunken ships in there. You have to get through and bash them. But at the same time, that boss doesn't like you getting that treasure. Oh, he will do everything he can to stop you. And unfortunately, um, one swipe from him, you're dead. <laughs> wow, interesting. Okay. So pretty much, you really have to think fast and swim even faster to get through it. And as you go through some of the levels, which I wasn't able to finish all six. I'm still stuck on World 4 because that boss is <laughs> tricky. Uh, pretty much think of a walrus that can shoot guided missiles mines out of his back. All you had to say was walrus. <laughs> uh, pretty much with that, like, the things I liked about it was the music. It fit. It was different for each world, different for each level. Me being how I am, like 
okay, you have to have the music perfect and it fit each world perfectly with the aesthetic, how each one was a different background and going with that as well. The color palette was eye catching. Yes, I remember interviewing them many times, and whenever uh, we saw people playing, whenever we played, the visuals were stunning, the colors popped, it was a beautiful, beautiful game. Oh yes, especially for me, I'm red-green colorblind, so it's a whole new yes. color palette I'm seeing. <laughs> but also, the thing I liked about those is the simplicity of the controls. I'm using a Steam controller, because everything I had didn't work. <laughs> and as we found out, uh, Switch Pro controllers work with Steam. Did yes. not know that. Totally revolutionized everything. <laughs> if I had one of those, that would have been great. <laughs> <laughs> but the simple controls, you use the thumbstick, and then you had X for attacking, you had A for, swim, for jumping and swimming fast, and then you had the B button, which if you got any of the power-ups throughout through the game, you could use them with that. And some of them work better on the bosses than others. The gripes. The gripes. I would really have loved this thing had keyboard control. I could see that. Yeah. Especially with the uh, side-scrolling mm-hmm. that the game is. It is a side-scroller. Uh, I could definitely see how a keyboard function would work better with this. Found that didn't have keyboard functions. Steam said, hey, it works. Go into the game. No. So, anyway. Maybe it's just your keyboard. Maybe, but the thing is also... <laughs> Maybe just your keyboard. <laughs> um, like I said, the game, it says it works with any controller. Cool. I Before I got my Steam controller, a PlayStation 3 control, wireless controller, hooked it up, configured it with Steam. Cool. Start the game. Nothing. Did it with my Xbox 360 controller. Nothing. <laughs> Luckily, my friend gave me his old Steam controller, and, and I could play the game. It was Great. perfect. But, <laughs> That needs to be tweaked a little bit more to work on some of the older ones. Also, the respawning is a little different than what I am traditionally used to in a game. Because you have that, you start out with three lives in each world, each level. Okay, once you go through three, two, one, hit zero, normally you'd be dead. But with this one, you can actually keep, as long as you still have treasure saved up, you can pay a toll, essentially, 200 pieces of treasure to respawn, so essentially you can keep playing the level. And that was just a little weird on my part, because it's not something I'm used to. So you would have three lives on top of spending treasure. Yes. So you could just, if you had enough treasure, you could just keep playing and playing and playing. Yeah. Like I said, with that, it's like either start over or just have it as a toll the whole way through. And that is the weirdest thing. Thing for me, but granted, I've been playing games since 1985, so (laughs) that's what I've been used to the entire time, but mainly it's just the controller that really bothered me. The third thing that that is kind of a nuance for me, nuance, gripe, con, if you put it, (laughs) is whenever you start the game up, cool, you're in there, you go to your character, and you choose the the color you want so you can easily spot him on on the screen so it doesn't blend in with everything. But the way it's set up, though, it's like, it looks like it's supposed to be originally a four-person multiplayer game, not a one-player game. There should be a menu option, like, okay, one player, or as group, or whatever title you want to put there. Because when you go there, pick a character, okay, cool, hit A, the start. Well, if you hit A twice, it jumps you back to the main screen, and you got to go through the whole functionality again. Right. Um, This game just came out, and uh, usually there's 
errors, I guess you would call them, um, just like with the first output. And that's why they put in patches. That's why they update their games. That is very common, especially with the title page and setup page of characters. It does happen. And I know this game does mainly focus on multiplayer. I know that's their big thing. Yes, it has single player story mode, but they really focus on having fun with your friends. Oh, yeah. But if they can actually just put a separate menu in there for one player versus multiplayer. They really should. That would that would help a lot. Uh, but yeah, Aqualungers, it's a great game. We've met the people. We've met the creators. Uh, they're good peeps. It, this game was worth playing. And for me, I would give it 90 out of 100. Really? That high? It's a good, easy game where I just pop it on and play it anytime. That's good. I'm glad they gave it such a high rating. Oh, yeah. Like I said, mainly the visuals and the music. Once they get the controller working, then that. (laughs) (laughs) Easy game, easy to pick up, easy to play. But yes, you can get Aqualungers on Steam and on the Switch. So if you can, pick it up. Support indie developers. Yes. (laughs) And local. It would be local for us, but, you know. (laughs) Uh, Let's go ahead and head into Game On. Game On. Our first iconic enemy is the witch from the Left 4 Dead series. I used to play this all the time. Um, I did a lot of it on Steam multiplayer, which is intense. It's crazy. There's people yelling in your ear or zombies. The premise. When alerted to the presence of an unaffected human or flashlight, she will look in the survivor's direction and make a low warning growl. This signals an anticipant attack. If the survivor backs away a far distance or is no longer in sight, she will gradually return to her wailing state. It's crazy. The first time you encounter this, uh, it's very memorable. She looks human far away. She's crying just like a woman. Um, you think, oh, oh, let's let's go help her, right? Like, there's nothing wrong. And then you get up on her. Yeah, you <laughs> get up on her. And then she, she attacks you. And she will attack you until you're dead. Even if you run away. Even if you're, you can run away, but you have to like run, run away. Like you have to go into a different room. You have to hide. Uh, it's very intense and very intense. I remember my first time fighting her and I was like, what's going on? <laughs> <laughs> this is not okay. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to remember this is the left. For, uh, I remember playing this a long time ago, but I was playing a whole bunch of zombie games at the time. Exactly. So. I mean, it's just like, there's so many zombie games and after a while, they do blend together. Yes. Uh, our next one is Sephiroth from Final Fantasy VII. Uh, Sephiroth has been in other games as well. Sephiroth is daddy. He is he is just amazing. If no one knows who Sephiroth is, I I don't know where you have been, but he is a celebrity war hero, celebrated and admired by all until he rebels and aims to obtain the life stream for himself and become a powerful godlike being. Uh, he has mommy issues. Uh, if you've played the games, you know what's up. He is a test tube baby of sorts. His mother is Genova. It, he's he's insane. He goes insane. I have not really gotten that far in that game. <laughs> it's been out since 1997, Miller. What is going on? <laughs> it's on my emulator, but I have... It's Final Fantasy VII. It's like one of the most iconic Final Fantasy... One of the most iconic video games. I mean, so iconic that it got like a direct remake. Oh, what is going like on? I, said, I played, <laughs> uh, played that, but I never got that far in it because I was playing uh, Final Fantasy. I think it was six. 
Nope, no, that was eight I was playing. That, Why would you play eight over seven? Because I didn't have seven. I had to borrow it from a friend of mine, and then they wanted it back, oh so gosh. I never got a chance to finish it. Sephiroth is very iconic for his look, from his long, gorgeous, gray silver hair, yes. and almost his BDSM leather outfit. <laughs> well, trust me, I remember a lot of things from, from that. Yeah. I'm playing and like, here, look where I am. Like, can I borrow this game back now, please? <laughs> And then Final Fantasy VIII came out, and then I started playing that and destroyed my game save file with the Game Shark. His character is unique in the sense that he is a total narcissist, a sociopath, a psychopath, but then he shows almost these glimpses of caring. He says these things to Cloud, pushing Cloud, pushing him to his limit, but he's also trying to help him at the same time. So it's just very interesting, the dynamics of Sephiroth. Our next one is Lavas from Chrono Trigger. Lavas is more of like, this is a bad dude. You got to kill him. There's not really any likable characteristics. Lavos first arrived on Earth in the year 65 million BC after falling from the sky like a shooting star. It was named Lavos by Ayla, a word she made up from the root words law, meaning fire, and vos, meaning big. Lavos came to Earth with the intention of draining its energy so it could produce genetically enhanced spawn, which would then continue the cycle on their planets. Lavos slept beneath the Earth for a millennia, emerging in the year 1999 AD, when it awoke and unleashed awesome destructive power, turning the planet into a desolate wasteland. This event is referred to by the survivors as the Day of Lavos. A small portion of humanity would survive this apocalypse and last for at least uh, another 300 years. Though the emergence of hostile machines, mutant life forms, and utter annihilation of the ecosystem would all but ensure mankind's extinction. It's Chrono Trigger is again a one of a kind game, yes. uh, just because of the time traveling aspects and getting characters from different areas, different time zones. I love the the spot where they call it the end of time, or you can dock your spaceship, you can go to other dimensions, other time areas. One of my favorite gaming characters in general, Robo, is from Chrono Trigger. For you, a person who has not beat this game, what are your impressions of Lavos? Uh, I'm still trying to get to him. I'm stuck somewhere in, like about halfway through the game because uh, I keep dying. <laughs> I keep picking the... Oh, okay, that's great. Yeah. <laughs> I, I keep picking the wrong hallway. <laughs> <laughs> what I love about this game is the part where they do go in the future and everything is desolate. Everything is gone. Um, the heaps of trash whenever you go through that trash yard. Yes. That is one of my favorite gaming scenes uh, that I've played. It's just the visuals, uh, the rats. Fuck you, rats. Uh, <laughs> they're worse than uh, New York rat. I mean, I don't know about now. You, these New York rats are getting ballsy eating people. Oh, yeah. I mean, they'll go up straight up to you. I mean, there's no food in there. Uh, <laughs> but it's a good bus. Next one, one of my faves again, Psychomantis from Metal Gear Solid. He was a psychic member of Foxhound who participated in the armed takeover of Shadow Moss's Island in 2005. He wore a special gas mask to help prevent people's thoughts from forcing their way into his mind. Again, one of my favorite villains because when you first try to beat him, he his whole shtick is... He knows what you're doing. Yeah. He knows what you're doing. He can control your game controller, and it's impossible to beat him. So, spoiler alert, in order to beat him, you would have to take your gaming 
back in the day when your controller's hooked up to the system. There's only two <laughs> ports. And there's only two ports, unless you get that extender, though. Uh, <laughs> you'd have to unplug your game controller from port one and plug it into port two. And I loved it when it happened because this guy's like, why can't I read your mind? What's going on? And it was like, like his mind was fucking blown. Oh, <laughs> uh, that was one of the fun things when games started using like just little things to help you figure it out. And this was great. Back in the day, very limited internet at the time, if there was. You had to rely on your friends to tell you how to beat the character. Yes. But it does remind me back to a, hor- a horrible, horrible game. The most toughest game ever made for the Famicom called Takeshi's Challenge. And with the Famicom, it had microphones built into the controllers 1 and 2. To get past part a level in the game, you had to sing. When you get to a karaoke bar, you had to sing the karaoke song. But you had to sing it into the microphone on controller 2. That's amazing. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it was just kind of very interesting on that one like just how little... back in the day they had to be inventive mm-hmm. i mean nowadays you know they have so much freedom with great graphics and great game stories and great music and actual you know people speaking back in the day we just had subtitles <laughs> subtitles and occasional uh, wah, 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 wah. <laughs> yes exactly but yeah so back in the day they had to get a little inventive with everything oh, yeah. Another revolutionary enemy. I wanted to put Nemesis from Resident Evil, but I replaced it with the zombie original T-Virus. Okay? Uh, Yes. Yes, I know. Human beings affected with the T-Virus begin to experience severe flu-like symptoms shortly after infection. These symptoms become worse over time as the infectee's skin will decay and peel, and their cognitive facilities will deteriorate until all that remains is a savage, mindless creature that by all rights should be dead. Human T-Virus carriers share many traits with the living dead of horror fiction, earning them the unscientific name of zombie. They have no powers of reason or communication and are driven solely by an insatiable hunger of living flesh. Continuously shambling about attempting to eat live people, one bite or scratch from a zombie will pass on the T-virus, dooming the unfortunate victim to eventual zombification. The time it takes for the infection to take hold varies depending on the person's immune system. I want to know, so it says like one scratch, one bite, but we've all played Resident Evil. We've all been bitten. We've all been scratched. And we just take some healing herbs, okay? Yep. So this is... What's going on, y'all? <laughs> like, are people from Stars just, like, immune to zombies? Is that is that what's going on now? Yes, that, that is it. <laughs> but the reason I included him instead of Nemesis is that I played... Resident Evil on the GameCube. And everyone remembers those amazing GameCube controllers. Oh, the horrible, wave, the wonderful, wonderful wave oh I think there was like five toggles on that thing. I mean, it's utterly ridiculous. Oh, let, let, me, let me see if I remember, because I actually have like a couple of them. You had... I have you, like three, you yes. You had and you had a thumbstick. Another thumbstick. No, the C-pad. The yes. two triggers and the Z button. Yes. Oh, God. Insane, insane controller. I mean, it made some games like Wind Waker amazing because it had all these extra controls. But again, when you're playing this game, the cutscene happens and you walk into this room and this zombie's head just stops eating the person and turns towards you. You're like, what the fuck is this? What is going on? And then he starts chasing you. And it was very intense. I threw the controller and I said I couldn't play it anymore. You rage quit. So- <laughs> It was scary. I was like a little kid when this came out, okay? <laughs> I was older. 
<laughs> now, Super Mario 2, it's referred to as the dream game, I dream know. machine, dream yeah, land. But I guess technically it's not called that, so sorry for the confusion. <laughs> yeah, because I, I was thinking of the 3DS one where it was like Mario goes into... Yeah. Oh, no, I didn't even yeah. think about that. I didn't. I mean, there's so many Mario oh, games God, out yes. there. Uh, but if you don't remember this character, at first sight, these enemies don't move. But if Mario, Luigi, Peach, or Toad pick up a key, a Fanto will start chasing them throughout the level until one of them reaches the locked door with the keyhole. Yes, I remember this one. He was the bane of my existence whenever I first played this. Yes. Because you find him in World 2. When I was a kid, again, it so much anxiety. I remember the first time picking up a key and this thing moving. And I'm like, what's this thing doing? And then you're like, oh, I'm dead. He hit me. <laughs> it's very intense. And then if you don't know, if you can throw the key. He'll stop following that, I never did because I just ran with I, it. <laughs> when, when I realized that, total game changer. I'm like, okay, he's close. I'm throwing the key down. Key move right there. So if you're having problems beating that game, that's what you need to do. Um, another great one is Cacodemon. Uh, Cockademon? Is it Cacodemon? Cockademon? Cockademon. Cockademon. Yeah, we'll just go with either of those. Sounds fine. <laughs> I just remember him as the big eyeball blob. He's an eyeball from Doom. So the Cacodemon. Cockademon. <laughs> the Cacodemon uh, appears to be a large sphere of red flesh sporting several horns on top of his body. They're partially psionic and are driven solely by a desire to feed. When prey is sighted, they attack attack by spitting balls of hot plasma, which burst into a cloud of narcotic mist. Oh, God, yes. This mist may leave the victim temporarily blinded and disoriented, but while the effect is brief, it gives the demon time to silently hover closer to the victim and devour them using its powerful jaws. When I was, again, in the original ones, these things looked super cool. When they remastered Doom in 2006, I don't know what they did. <laughs> But it literally looked like a bag of flesh with dangling little meat paws and then a bunch of teeth. It was very creepy oh, looking. Yeah. When they re redid it, that was the one they had on the Xbox, wasn't it? Yeah. Yes. That game I can never play in the dark. Really? Is it that because intense for you? I had a surround sound system hooked up to it, to my Xbox. So I'm playing like, okay, it's late at night. I wanted to play again. Like, yeah, yeah, throw Doom on there. Like, okay, play it. Start playing. Lights out, just the TV, surround sound going. When they programmed this game, they took into account for people having <laughs> a surround sound system. You'd be going through there, your flashlight getting dimmer and dimmer, so you got to turn it off and, and not move, and hopefully nothing jumps out at you. Let it charge back up. But you can hear things in the background, walking, running, like crunch, like eating things and scratching, like, oh, shit. <laughs> I, I love video games that do take that into consideration or just in general headphones. Yes. So you'll only hear it like in the back of your head instead of fully. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Last one. My favorite one. Culex from know, Super Mario RPG. I never finished. I tried to get to him and I couldn't get there. So this is one of my top video games, if not my favorite video game. It is definitely my favorite Super Mario game. Uh, this was made by Squaresoft when Squaresoft made good games and was not Square <laughs> Oh, there's just some, there's just some anger issues there. <laughs> I will, 
I will bring it up every time. <laughs> he is a dark knight from the alternate dimension of Vanda. Alongside the elemental crystals, Culex is an even more powerful boss than the main story's antagonist, Smithy. Culex's HP combined with the HP of the elemental crystals is 12,396. So he was intense. In order to, yeah. you find him in Monster Town, whenever you would go next door, the piranha plant would be like, my neighbor keeps talking about crystals and all this. And I remember the first time playing this and I'm like, oh my God, crystals. And they said so many Final Fantasy references, you automatically knew what it was. And so in order to access him, you have to go to the mining town and get a shiny stone. And when you get the shiny stone, which is the crystal, you can take it to Monster Town and open the door and fight him. What I love about it, again, you can definitely tell it's a Final Fantasy reference, is that the battle music is the same as Final Fantasy IV, which is the Final Fantasy II yes. in North America. One of my favorites. I always look forward to maybe seeing Culex in Final Fantasy games, but I think because Super Mario RPG was a Nintendo and Squaresoft collaboration, I don't think either of them could take characters from that game that were new and put them yeah, there'd be in future a whole video licensing games. issue and everything else between them. And that's why we don't see Geno. We don't see no. Geno in any Squaresoft games. We don't see it in any Super Nintendo games. Uh, you don't see Culex, you don't see Smithy. Uh, pretty much all the characters that were made in that game, you don't see anymore. And also sad things that Super Mario RPG is not on the Switch. I swear, I thought it was. I was talking with some friends, we're like, you need to stream this game. You know, like, oh, well, if it was on the Switch, yeah, it's on the Switch. It is well, not, it is not on the Switch. The game, I have it for Super Nintendo. I have it for Super Nintendo, but it's just... Oh. It's complicated, John. Streaming from streaming from a retro console. Oh no 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 no! I have a Retron Five. It has HDMI out. See, I have like a regular, you know. Yeah. I have both. But <laughs> I like Retron because I can plug everything into it. <laughs> uh, but that is it for game on. Let's go into shut up and take my money. Shut up and take my money. I just found like random funny stuff that I thought was very interesting. <laughs> Uh, the first one is the Butter Hub, a smarter butter dish, a stylish butter dish with a magnetic lid to hold a knife, extend feet to keep butter mess off the table, and easy scoop ramps. I did not know people had so many butter issues. <laughs> Why am I reminded of Rick and Morty right now? <laughs> no, okay, so these people, right? It's, again, Kickstarter. They only had a $1,000 pledge goal, correct? Do you know how much money people have pledged so far for this thing? I'm looking at this. I'm still amazed. <laughs> Almost $120,000. We're talking about 4,500 backers for this magnetic butter dish, y'all. <laughs> so they all like Rick and Morty. Your job is to pass the butter. That I is know. It. <laughs> I mean, first of all, I think lukewarm butter is disgusting. Butter belongs in the fridge, okay? If... If you leave butter out too long in a room, it can get germs. It's just gross, y'all. I You keep it in the fridge. I, I, I can't really say anything right now because I take heavy whipping cream and I take a uh, blender and make my own butter. Okay, that's fine. You don't leave it out. No, you can. Okay, you that's what I'm talking about. Can. You technically can, but then it technically gets germs if you leave, leave it out too long. It gets germs. 
No, but that's it's gross. It is gross. It's the sa- butter does not oh. belong outside. You, you know what's really bad? There's actually a thing called a butter bell. Pretty much it's a little a little bowl thing that has a lid. Put water in it and it dunks as a little bowl inside the lid. You put the butter in and it keeps it submerged in water. No. That's nasty. It's the most creamy. You're nasty. The butter is so creamy. So creamy. No, y'all nasty. <laughs> y'all nasty with this outside butter. <laughs> But it spreads so much easier on toast. (laughs) (laughs) The next one is Nap Easy, the essential home office and commute pillow, the world's first convertible pillow, one-stop solution for correct posture while seated and taking power naps. (sighs) So I want to know how this little pillow is comfortable when there's a metal rod inside. I want to know who's falling asleep sitting up. (laughs) Okay, so I do get this with the airplanes, the airports, whatever. It's really weird how one of the positions, there's many positions that you can use this pillow. This pillow is almost shaped like an egg. And to open it, you press a button and then it extends. And there's a long metal pole between the two cushions. Now, one of the positions is you stick the bottom half of the cushion between your legs and the top cushion is in front of your face. You throw this belt behind you attached to the seat and you lean forward and you put your head on the top part of the pillow. This is napping with extra steps. It is. <laughs> I would I could totally see an asshole being like, I'm about to unclip this belt and see this guy land face forward. I think that's putting way too much trust in people around you and in seats in general. I never said I would um, do that. <laughs> <laughs> I could see that happening. I mean, I, I like I like the one where it's just you stretch it out right and then you put the bottom pillow next to your leg and then you just put your head on the top pillow. So like you can lean against doors, you can lean against a wall. I can see that aspect. But then just laying down on the pillow itself, I mean that thing must be hard. It said it's made out of memory foam, but it has a large metal rod in the middle of it. How comfortable can that be? Well, it depends. Like, how desperate do you want to sleep standing up? <laughs> it's not even standing up. It's like, how desperate are you wanting to sleep in an office? That is that is oh. what it is. <laughs> it had a $3,500 goal. It's done um, about $18,500. Um, I mean, not that many backers. It's only 363 But the cute designs you can have, though. Oh, there's really cute designs. There's a penguin. There's a panda. There's an owl. Like... If you don't know there's a metal rod in it, it looks comfy. But as soon as you... Re- I mean... I'm just wondering, like, whenever that... Because that memory foam will break down. Will that rod just randomly impale somebody? <laughs> That's what I'm saying. That is what I'm saying. Like, it's... I just don't understand it. Uh, but it says that it's like a... It's like a memory foam neck pillow, a lumbar pillow, and a front sleeping pillow all in one. And instead of paying, like, $100, it is only $45. Um, and another another thing you can use this for is lumbar support, which I can see because again, there's a huge metal rod in this pillow. Yeah, I'm still looking at this thing. It's like, no, if it, I, it's one of those things. Like, I have pillows when I travel a lot. I have the neck pillow, but I'm also very fluffy, so I can sleep anywhere. <laughs> Let's head into Nani. Nani. We usually have two articles for Nani, but we wanted to spend a little a little extra time on Game On. We're just going to talk about how Trump gets fact-checked this week. 
and his executive order of trying to change Facebook, Twitter, and any of those that are considered platforms to be publishers instead. So they are, will no longer be pretty much protected by the First Amendment. Politics aside, I don't care who you vote for. I don't care who, whatever. That's that's on you. I have people who are pro-Trump. I know people who are anti-Trump. All is the same for me, right? It's America. The issue here is that he's putting in an executive order which says, well, if you're fact-checking one thing, that means you have to fact-check every single thing that is ever posted on your platform. Do you understand how crazy that is to fact-check someone? Actually, because it could be a good thing. Okay, but it could be a good thing, but then they're... They're also gonna fact check people who are just making statements. Oh, I know, but because I'm, I'm saying, like, you know, think of the, how many jobs they're gonna create. <laughs> I mean, this is very true. But the reason certain posts get fact check is because they focus on the amount a post gets shared, the amount the post gets distributed, how many clicks and opens it has. Yeah. If it does, it's flagged in the system and they look oh, yeah. at it. I mean, it got flagged because he said that there was a certain state that was going to do mail-in votes. And he said that those votes were going to tamper with the election because most of them were going to be fraudulent. And that is when Twitter checked him. Twitter was like, no, that's not how it works. And they attached a link on mail-in voting. Yeah. So that that is what they did. And then he, he got upset. That's, that's a fact. He got upset. Yeah. And he said, like, how dare you fact check me? And if you're going to do this, why have you never checked any of my other posts? This is the first one you fact-checked. And he said to Twitter that they impeded on his free speech. Well, I, I understand. I can look at I kind of being devil's advocate for this. I can see both yeah. ways. I can totally see both ways. But the fact is, is that he called out on mail-in voting. And there are a lot of people who won can't leave their house like they're you know old they're enabled uh or they don't have a voting center that's even close to them there's a lot of people who work lots lots you know i mean they don't have the extra time that i understand uh it's like i said with the last election um the place where i normally would vote which is about five eight minutes from my house uh it moved and yeah it was a lot of hunting trying to figure out where to vote for that one and that was kind of uh what the hell and you have to dig a lot for that. Uh, but I can understand the whole thing of like with the mail-in voting because there's always that chance of voter fraud. There always is. Even with the electronic system. Exactly. But that's what but I'm like about I said, to say. He just kind of I went mean, on a rant and unfortunately... Yeah. I, I believe that the chance of mail-in voting fraud is just the same amount as the electronic no. voting fraud. Um, just like when Bush and Al Gore, oh, God, you know, they yes. had that huge thing. Yeah. Yeah, that, 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 <laughs> I was alive during that. <laughs> yes, yes. And so there were a lot of electronic voting frauds. Yeah. I mean, technically, Gore would have won that state. Again, I don't remember. I think it was Florida. I'm Again, this was it, it, a very it, long it time ago. It was a long time ago. And then even, my, <laughs> even being older, my memory is like kind of like, I don't really remember all of that. But it, there's always going to be voting fraud. Oh, yeah. There's always going to be speculation. But mail-in voting is important to a lot of Americans. Yeah. Especially with all these uh, lockdowns yes. and curfews. It is going to be interesting. Uh, there's no real easy way to do it to make sure that everyone is able to cast their vote and what they're supposed to do. But There's no yeah. way that Facebook, that Twitter... 
Instagram, whatever, there is no way that they're going to be able to fact check every single post that is put out there. That is why Trump put this in, because he knows that there is no way that they can possibly do that. Unless they hire 10,000 people. But even then, I mean, they might be able to fact check it, what, two, three days later? You get what I'm saying? I mean, I mean... It's a, it is a uh, massive understanding. Granted, their algorithm's pretty spot on, like how you said, uh, how many times it's tweeted, how many times it's reshared, how many times it's um, hashtagged, or all of that, and all those wonderful things. Yes, I'm old. <laughs> I'm using <laughs> For the posts that are shared and, you know, opened and clicked on, those are going to be easy for the algorithm to find. But by him putting in this order, he's talking about every single person. So we're talking about some, you know, Aunt Sally, who's, you know, sharing these websites. She has 50 friends. You get what I'm saying? How are they going to find her? How are they going to find her post? It's a slippery slope when it comes to social media websites like this. Personally, I think that they fact-checked his post and they were informing people what mail-in voting was. From my point of view, they were not disclaiming what he said. And they didn't take down his post, but they wanted people who saw his post to be like, hey, here's some information in case you wanted more. Yeah. Uh, He just got upset and let let his anger get the best of him, unfortunately. There's a lot of anger going on in the world right now. And I think as people, we need to calm down self-evaluate and see what is really important in life we all need to share some whiskey together that's all we really need we meet up everyone gets a glass we sit there we go to you fellow human and we take a toast and we take a drink whiskey solves all i love it but guys that is it for our episode thank you so much for joining us as always again please stay safe out there there's a lot of crazy stuff happening and we love all you so we'd hate for something bad to happen you can always follow me at the raging erica that is erica with a c and with me you can find me on anything out there under dogfin studios Uh, unless i'm game streaming then that's going to be mother brain gamer thank you guys and we'll catch you next week (laughs) 